when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Welcome to Raptors Over Everything, a podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, William Lou. Joining me live in, um, what is this, the attic of uh, our Milwaukee Airbnb, which is actually quite nice. It's a quite nice uh, venue here, but uh, Blake Murphy from The Athletic. Hey, man. The uh, Cuban food hitting you, right? That's low energy intro. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of sleepy, I'm not going to lie, even though we both had a... We Cafe con leche. Cafe con leche. Yeah, shout out. But um, I mean, I think we might be a little bit low energy just because you know Raptors losing game one. Um, I thought it was going to be more fired up. Just just so people really? know, we came in here and sat down, and Will laid out two mics on the table and told me to choose mine like it was the first battle rap in Eight Mile. Mm. I mean, this so. essentially would be where most battle rap would take place nowadays. In the attic of a, of a probably suburb. fairly white suburb. Yeah, one hundred percent. No, I mean I don't know, man. I, I think uh, I think yesterday actually after the game, I was a little bit more encouraged um, just from watching it live. And then I saw the tape back this morning, and somehow I feel a little bit less encouraged because I think um, a lot of what that game came down to was the Raptors. I think they took the Bucks by surprise with their intensity early on. I, I don't think the Bucks came out really strong, and then. Um, the Raptors basically, I, I thought it was just the fourth quarter, but it was most of the third quarter as well. Like, they're just, they were so stagnant, and I think they kind of just, like, ran out of steam. And um, I, I don't know how much you can take out of a game like that, but what were your impressions of game one? I actually kind of felt the opposite watching it back, at least as far as uh, the offensive side of the ball for them. You know, watching it back defensively I agree they started to slide earlier than maybe people were talking about last night uh the Bucks shooting only 25 percent on a high number of threes uh including I think 24 of their 44 attempts or 45 attempts were wide open so you know some of that is selectivity and who you're giving those shots to they're probably not going to shoot that poorly every game so defensively I was like okay like Milwaukee's definitely going to play better um offensively though you know it's it's easy to say they they miss shots or whatever but like they were doing a pretty good job of even with Milwaukee packing the paint as they did getting in there and then kicking it out Kawhi's a little slow on the kickouts Pascal doesn't read them quite as fast yet but for the most part open shots were there and they were creating them so um you know obviously it's been a story all playoffs that those shots aren't dropping but at least from a process perspective I was more encouraged by the half-court offense than I thought I would be watching it back what did you think of the Raptors' defense? Because I think, you know, half-court-wise, the results are impeccable. I think they allowed, what, 0.69 points per half-court possession. Nice. Um, but it was sort of the other stuff that kind of killed them, like the fact that they gave up, I think, 25 uh, fast-break points or 24-second chance points. Like, you just you got to close possessions. And, and to be honest, I think the Raptors got to be a little bit more disciplined in terms of how they get back because the Bucks are a very dangerous transition team. And I thought – Bledsoe got away from them at the start of the third quarter, and then Giannis, especially in that third quarter, I mean, him just getting to the basket, shooting 10 free throws in the quarter, um, it was just a sign of the Raptors. Again, I think they kind of just, in terms of energy, they kind of just wore down. Yeah, and I mean, part of it is, too, if, you make, if you're making those shots, it's easier to get back and get set or whatever. Right. Um, so those things will flow together. But in terms of the half court, uh, the, the offensive rebounds is the thing that stuck out to me most because it's something that Aaron Gordon killed them with and it's something that Ben Simmons killed them with. Yeah. So this is a problem that they have been dealing with. Now, part of why it comes is that when Giannis or Chris Middleton were getting the ball, the Raptors were showing a double. And, and sometimes, if that was on the low block, then it was kind of one of their base goes where 
you help off the the corner on the baseline and then someone zones up the weak side and that's fine but then someone has to you know either the center if it's Marcus all coming over he has to be aware of his man crashing or the guy who's zoning up the weak side has to be the first guy cracking back to, to box out and those weren't there and then when it's just a hard double like one sticks out to me where uh, Middleton had it on the left side and Gasol came over and it was a full double and they end up with an offensive rebound off of it um, there were a couple times too they showed Giannis three bodies in the paint and then Miritich or Ilyasova is right there and it's tough because you have to show those bodies to to Giannis um but it's a matter of focus and discipline right like you can't you can't stop defending at 24 seconds even if you think you've got a shot clock violation as Chris Middleton heaves a like volleyball shot at the the rim yeah I mean I I think this also speaks to like sort of just the push and pull with the Raptors all year where it's like they obviously want to get on the break. They're so good offensively when they're in break. And I think what fueled their success in the first half, I mean, A, like guys making shots was really great. But, like, the Raptors are consistently getting stops, going the other way, and getting early offense and, and efficient looks um, off those possessions. And, look, I, I think, you know, part of this does speak to the Raptors, like, push and pull all year in terms of just how much they want to value their own transition offense versus getting back and defensively rebounding. Um, obviously first half, I thought they got a lot of great looks, just, um, pushing on the break and stuff. Second half, you didn't really see that again. I think that might speak to a a difference in energy as well, but I I think for me, one of the things that stuck out, um, was just the idea that like the bucks have a lot of bodies they can throw at you. And yesterday they had a big advantage in rest. Um, but I think the fact that they can bring a guy like Ilyasov off the bench and he'll just actively go to the glass. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you compare Ilyasov's energy versus, like, Serge Ibaka's energy, it was just completely different. And I, I think, you know, maybe part of that is, okay, if the Raptors, you know, get into, um, I don't know, just get into the series a little bit better, if re, you know, rediscover some of their hustle roots, some of their energy. Like, um, I like, for example, I think Ibaka can play a lot better from that uh, from that end. But it just feels like the Bucks have more bodies to throw at you. And at some point, you're just like, what can you really do? Like, on one end, you have Marcus Gasol playing 40 minutes. On the other end, you have... Brooke playing 35 and you know he doesn't have to have the same burden as as as, as Mark would so I don't know from for me like that's that's just from watching the tape it just felt like the Raptors got tired and the Raptors have less bodies and those are the kind of things that you can't really fully change no and it, it shows in the half court offense and I think it was especially uh, obvious in the second half and yeah they missed a lot of shots um, and part of it is you know they're running possessions through Kawhi who tends to take his time but for the game they averaged 1.4 seconds longer per offensive possession than Milwaukee that seems small but in a 24 second shot clock you know that's the difference between eight on the clock and six on the clock sometimes and those those little differences over the course of an entire game I think speak to you know if Toronto couldn't get something in transition it took them a long time to get shots uh, in the half court. And, and again, part of that is Milwaukee's defensive strategy. They are going to dare you to drive and then force you to kick it out. It's just what they do. Um, but part of it also is, you know, the Raptors have to recognize those chances to pass quicker. Uh, and then, yeah, to the fatigue point, they have to play with a little more pace, even in the half court. Um, you know, whether that's maybe some more some more off-ball movement with a guy like Danny Green or a guy like Fred Van Vliet, who, when he's on the floor you got to stop running the Van Vliet, Serge Ibaka pick and roll as the main source of offense. Yeah, it's tough. Van Vliet is better off the ball in terms of spacing the floor. Anyway, uh, I'm sure we'll get into some of the rotation stuff, but um, there needs to be a little bit more purpose in the half court, especially Mm -hmm. outside of that first quarter. Um, And yeah, I I don't know to what degree fatigue plays a factor in that, but like I, I... don't think you need Marcus All to be playing forty minutes a game, and I don't think it does him or you any favors really to yeah. to play him that much. Yeah, I mean it's you get there's diminishing returns eventually. Like I thought Gasol's stint in the fourth quarter was bad. Yeah, right. And I think he he knew what to do. Clearly, like the game plan for him defensively was pretty solid in the first half, um, and even in the third quarter was all right. But like you know, he's just he, he looked tired, and I think Nurse. He wants the starters a little bit too early, which is something that, you know, has never been said so far in the playoffs. He wants the starters too early, I think. Like nine in the fourth. Yeah, nine nine twenty three, he puts back all five starting guys and it's like After they played a a ten minute stretch in the first quarter too. Yeah, they exactly. Played 31 minutes as a five sub last night. Which is, which I mean, I get it. Like, I, I, would I really guess get that it, that but... is the highest any team has played one unit in the playoffs in a game. Yeah. Like, you mean, eliminating you mean... overtime games. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I just don't think it's 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 super conducive, and I think for the for the Raptors, like, you know, one another thing that really works against them here is that like they're older, right? Like, like Danny, 
whether he's banged up a little bit, I think he's definitely a little bit banged up. I mean, his knees were heavily wrapped today, and guys get treatment on off days all the time. Mm-hmm. But w- even once the wraps were off, like Danny's left knee looked a little swollen. Um, he had that ankle thing late in the year. Yeah, it's hard to tell with him because he like he walks kind of. He, he's ginger anyway. Yeah. As it is. Um, however, it certainly looks like he's maybe look. I'm 33. I played an hour of basketball this morning, and my knees are pretty creaky right now. I am not an elite performance athlete. I don't know, man. But uh, I wouldn't know about that. You know, Marcus Saul's 34, Kyle Lowry's 33, Danny Green's 31, yeah. Serge Ibaka's 29 or 30. Um, I can't remember how old he actually is. Um, Serge, 29? 29. 29. Yeah. yeah, so, like, those guys aren't old, old, but, like, you've played – that was your 13th game in the playoffs so far. Yeah. Um, and this series has none of the extra days off. So you're going to have to manage that a little better. And obviously you need something from the bench to manage that better. But these nine and ten minute stretches for those guys, especially a guy like Gasol, um, those yeah. are, it just seems uh, too taxing on them. Yeah, and like when when he's missing box outs and then all his jumpers are short, like, I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear what was going on with him uh, and, in terms of just fatigue. And, and it did feel like all game that the Raptors had that early lead and they just had to like really work to just maintain and protect. And if it always felt like the Bucks were going to kind of come on strong, uh, I think Kyle obviously having a great second half um, and a great game overall, but especially in the Kyle's second, the second awesome, half, man. he, he single, he like, almost single handedly stole that game for the Raptors. Yeah. Like that game could have unfolded differently where he didn't hit as many shots and like, Say the score is the same and someone else just hit some of Lowry's shots. That still would have been like a peak Lowry game because he he drew the charge. He's clapping in a ref's face. He's speeding up, try, trying to inbound in transition. Yep. He's doing relocation threes. Yep. Um, he's gnashing the pick and roll. Like he did all the yep. little Lowry stuff uh, all game. It was a very fun Lowry game. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Plus thirty points. It was only the it was the first first time all year he's done that. Other than trying to get revenge on Dwayne. Oh yeah, that's right. And they lost that game too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's only the fifth time in the last three years he's dropped thirty, which feels including playoff games. Right, right. Which feels crazy because right before that run, he was like giving Miami thirty on average over an entire playoff series. Yeah, I mean, it is just kind of it is what it is with his age. Like you know, he's obviously yeah. not going to consistently do that. It's just cool to see. Do, um, if we're going to touch on the positives, obviously Kyle is more positive there. Do you feel like? This is something that uh, Assad was in the mentions about uh, afterwards, and he was talking to me about. He, he he looks he from his perspective, he thinks that Kyle looks a little bit lighter on his feet, looks a little bit healthier, and I think the release of the shot looked a lot better. I don't know if that's what you saw. I didn't quite spot it on the tape, but um, I mean the results. I mean seven oh nine from three. It's, it's phenomenal, especially considering he shot one of twenty against the Bucks in the regular season from deep. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. It's like I'm not sure it's anything that pronounced as like oh he's he's feeling better he's healthier now especially since he's got the thumb thing going on i know that doesn't affect your yeah. shot but it affects your your game overall um it's but like it, i would buy that explanation had he been like red hot from three all playoffs but he's or, just been kind of fine right uh I don't yeah have the numbers in front of me inconsistent but, uh, i would yeah. say yeah so um i don't know if it's anything like that or he just you know he had the he had the release point down he had the mm. confidence going it's hard to explain these he, he got gassed up because bledsoe called him a hall of famer he sure did. Which is a tricky conversation to have. Bledsoe and Lowry are like a couple inches away from that Spider-Man meme. Like Bledsoe was out there mm. having a full Lowry game too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I love Eric Bledsoe. Uh, yeah. He's. I, I don't think he's. Uh, I don't think he's as, as a heads-up player as Kyle. But, Probably not. But I think. But he might be like better defensively locked in. Yeah. Oh yeah. That yeah. might be. Oh yeah. He's better defensively locked in. And, and the way he was able to attack like the one man fast break and get to the rim and just put someone under the basket like really reminded me of old Kyle. <laughs> like 2014 Kyle like like the you know the the what was it the the bulldog on Bay Street. Yeah. yeah they really didn't really like that Bledsoe, by too the much. Way, did it, is it bothering you at all that the Bucks are like pretty likable? Like I find no, this no, this no, is a no, hard team to slander. Um. Yeah. Like Giannis is so charming as he rips your soul apart. Like, I mean, he also slandered the Celtics, which that yes. automatically in my books he's, gets me gets me a free he's pass. He's a hero in Toronto now. Oh man! But like, I guess Chris Middleton's kind of mid or whatever. But like, I right, find Brooke name. Lopez very entertaining. Yeah, he is. Uh, I like Malcolm Brogdon a lot. Yep. Pat Connaughton belongs on the Portland Trail Blazers bench. But I mean, I can't believe they let him go. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I wrote a thing. One of my maybe not one of my favorite things, but one of the like most out there things I wrote was in 2016 when he was 
I think a rookie, maybe a sophomore at that point on Portland. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote about him be also being a major league baseball prospect. Yeah. Like he was in the Orioles system and like pitched minor league ball and like has a 97 mile an hour fastball. 97? I thought yeah. it was 95. Wow. No, he 97. touched 97 according to the like scouting reports I dug up and stuff. So Milwaukee Jeez. has all these, all these likable guys, man. There's also a video out there of Connaughton throwing an 80 yard uh, pass. Like he's throwing a football 80 yards. Yeah, some guys are just athletes, man. <laughs> Yo, he's, yeah, it's like it's like Terrence Ross. Like Terrence Ross used to do that kind of stuff in mm-hmm. practice all the time. Yeah, and it would just be like so easy. And I remember, I forget whether it was Lewenberg or Wolstead or whatever, but he was tossing football like the full length of the gym one day, and someone asked him if he ever played, and he was like, "Nah," just like, "Yeah, I just just can pick up a football casually and like throw a fifty yard spiral. It's fine." Yeah, yeah, some guys got it like that. Terrence wouldn't be a good football player, though. I don't know, man. He might make so. a good cornerback. It's hard to say because, like, the, the physicality basketball, is a world different. Most you know? basketball players are just, like, so tall for football. That's true. That's true. Um, oh, yeah, speaking of which, uh, I put this on the timeline finally, but uh, I, I put I, – I'm in the firm camp that Kyle Lowry will be good at every sport. Yeah. Like, I, I, I quote retweeted it and, like, broke down what he would be. Like, in yeah, baseball, yeah. he's definitely, like, a high OBP, yeah, yeah, working yeah. the strike zone, leaning in to get some hit by a pitch. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's definitely one of those guys. Like, he's a Craig Biggio type. Who was that guy that was um, – that had that weird batting stance, and he played on the Red Sox. Euclidus? Uh, Euclidus, yeah, he'd be Euclidus. Yeah, Euclidus yeah. yeah. is a good comp, too. Yeah, he used to take him off the elbow all the time and draw a ton of walks. Well, I mean, I don't even know what he was doing. He was, like, spelling, like, an S with his body every time he <laughs> swung the bat. Um, no, but, I mean, like, even other sports, like volleyball, I think he'd be, like, a great, like, setter, for example. He's obviously not going to be one of those guys that, like, spikes it, but <laughs> a guy who, like, just, like, digs it out and, like, sets people up, that's 100% Kyle, like, yeah. Penalty it's, kill specialist in the NHL, blocking shots and stuff. Obviously, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That but that behind, he'd he'd be Buddy. leading the league in block shots. Yeah, everyone else, <laughs> everyone else in the league lays down to block it with their shin pads, and Kyle, <laughs> Kyle just drops his knees and throws his butt at it. Be, um, yeah. I mean, in soccer, I think he'd be a great uh, like you know defensive mid and. I mean, like seriously, I, I think Kyle just like the smarts and everything is, is it'd be great. But um, and as I tweeted, he would be a great tag team wrestler. Just like cut off the ring, mm-hmm. you know, ring generalship, good, good technical. Yep. Yeah. Just he's smarter than most everyone. Works the that, works that's the gonna referee. Translate, yeah. <laughs> being being smarter than everyone is going to translate across sports. Yeah. Um. But anyway, back back to game one. I think you don't want to go more sports. You don't want to talk about like lacrosse or. I don't. I don't think I know that many other sports. I think the one thing that really reminded me of that I tweeted that after Kyle saved the ball going out of bounds, and like um, I play frisbee a lot, and like that's you know that's that's like the greatest play you can make in frisbee is diving out of bounds to save a disc while it's midair, like jumping from inbounds, landing out of bounds, and then throwing the disc back in, and that's basically what Kyle did with that fo- with that basketball. So I'm like. You know, he'd be pretty of, good at it. You play a lot of frisbee. <sighs> it's been years, man. It's been years. You know, frisbee is all Asian people, and uh, really, that's surprising. There's, there's a lot of Asians in frisbee. Trust me. Our boy Lewis Satsman loves loves him some frisbee yeah. too. I might call him up to uh, to my team this year. Although I I've been so much I've been so busy. I, I feel like <clears throat> our tuck team is not uh, going to be around this year. But uh, anyway, look game game one game one. I think <laughs> the main I think look we're kind of focusing on the rest of it, but I think the main thing for both teams is. Can you stop the other team's superstar? And I think from that perspective, I think, you know, both the Bucks and the Raptors should be pretty happy. Um, like, I think Kawhi shooting, what, 10 of 26 is um, great. And I think even Giannis, the fact that he – it's not even that he shot 7 of 16, which is below 50%, but the fact that he only took 16 shots um, – is is a reflection of how well the Raptors were able to wall off the paint. And to be honest, the Bucks were kind of doing the same thing. They were just really packing the paint, walling it off against Kawhi. I think Brooke Lopez stepping up a little bit higher and sort of challenging a couple of his jump shots was also kind of surprising and pretty effective. But, I mean, in, in terms of that game plan, defensively, I think there's a lot of positives to be taken away. If you can you hold Giannis to 24 points every game, you're in a good spot. Yeah, and more like as much as holding Giannis to that um, getting by with Siakam as his primary defender. And obviously mm-hmm. you, you yeah. showed help and you, you doubled in the post and things like that. Yeah. Um, Kawhi only spent five possessions on him. And I – wait, five? Something like that. I don't know. Five or nine. It was single digits. It was, it was nine. And Giannis okay. spent five on Kawhi. Um, anyway, a lot of that was like off-ball stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if you can continue to not tax – Kawhi Leonard defensively, mm-hmm. or not as much because Chris Middleton's still a tough check, and they were yeah. really more. He was the only guy on that team they were trying to run off the three point line. Yeah, yeah. 
I don't know. I didn't really see Kawhi doing like too much, like flying around, rotating. No, as, not, as much, not you know him I mean? necessarily. I just mean in general, Middleton is a guy they're very clearly aware of. That's true. Outside That's the true. Line. Whereas like Bledsoe, Lopez, those guys they're giving shots to. Yeah, um, they're late. Basically, almost. everyone. Even they gave shots to Brogdon, and they might need to adjust that. They might need to run Brogdon off the line a little bit too. Yeah, he's really good at going to the rim too, though. Yeah, Brogdon's but he's, a good he's also like their best three point shooter. Percentage wise, yeah, he's like yeah. over forty percent for the year. That's true. Um, he's great. He is great, but yeah, I mean, if you can if you can protect some of Kawhi's workload that way, hopefully you you know you hope it pays off on the other end of the floor. Um, I had a conversation before the game. I won't say with who. Mm. I feel like a name drop. Wow. Aggregated. Let's go. Zach Lowe of ESPN. Oh wow! Because uh, he had wrote, he had oh wow he had kind of written something similar to um, what Eric Nem and I, uh, Name and I were talking about at the Athletic. In that you know Kawhi's not going to guard Giannis. Giannis isn't going to guard Kawhi. Whoever blinks first in that you know, that might be a signal that that team's in trouble, right? Like, if you have to go oh, away yeah. from your base coverage and, and tax your star that way. So I think it's something interesting to watch. I think it's interesting that neither team really went to it in, in Game 1, even though that game yeah. was so close. Yeah, which I, I think both teams are kind of, kind of... I don't think there's any major adjustments defensively coming against at least the two main guys, right? I, I think the Raptors I don't think are, so. I think both teams are probably happy with exactly. what, the, what they held the other guy to. Right, and at that point, it's sort of just about how many guys outside of that make shots and i think the bucks yesterday obviously them shooting 25 percent is pretty low by their standards but also the fact that they got 44 attempts are you a little bit worried about the number of attempts yeah a little bit especially as i mentioned earlier 24 of those were classified as wide open by right. nba.com and they did Although not that, that data is like I know, weird i know yeah. like like it's, i i had an issue with it because against the sixers the raptors kept being like oh they got 17 or 18 wide open threes it's like okay it's wide open because so the way that i understand the tracking data it bases a defender's distance based on like center of mass which is dumb. so if you have long arms and you're coming out fast yeah. you know ben simmons racing at you with his arm out his yeah. body might be six feet away when that shot goes up but you are not shooting Shooting that as if Ben Simmons is six feet away. No, no. So um, there's obviously some noise with, with stuff like that. But I do think it's a rough gauge of like, did you decide to give this three up and then close out at it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think more than half of Milwaukee's threes coming that way was a, was by design. I think they're okay with Brook Lopez shooting 11, given how he shot in the playoffs. Brook Lopez is definitely okay shooting 11. Brook Lopez loves shooting 11. Oh, man. man, also that spin move that he had. Dude, what the hell? He was spinning away <laughs> from the basket, and he flipped the ball and then, up. Yeah, he changed hands at the last possible second, too. It was amazing. He's so graceful. It was ballet. Yeah. yeah. Also, he. sorry, this is not analysis, but him and Giannis doing the podium after yeah, the game yeah, was, was hilarious. Great. First of all, Brooke keeps answering all the questions for him and, like, making a big production of it. Like, mm-hmm. don't worry, Giannis. I'll answer the question. Yeah. And these uh, are not tough questions whatsoever. No. It's not Jimmy Butler protecting Joel Embiid. And then, also, like, I've heard Brooke Lopez talk for, like, a decade now, but it's still it still surprises me yeah. what his voice is like compared to what he looks like. For such a giant man, it's... He just well, sounds like a California bro. Well, um, you know, I just gotta take the open shots that are there, and Giannis is... Like, that's... That's really him. Um, and he loves comic books and stuff. Yeah. It sucks that we got burned by him, you know? Like you mentioned, yeah, you're right. Now that you're mentioning it, it is a bit annoying that you, you can't even hate these guys at all. Like, there's nobody on the Bucks that is, like, eminently hateable. It's like, uh, Ersan Like, Flop. George Hill maybe would be the closest one? That's nothing hateable. But I think it's, like, it's just Ersan Flop. George is just annoying because the Raptors run into him so many times. Yeah. Well, him him being just absolutely scoreless yesterday was, was strange. I didn't notice him at all. No, um, I, I thought Fred actually played better than him, which is saying a lot, but... Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, to the point of the guys getting other shots and stuff like that. I think you know, like there's, I think again, if the, the Raptors have to sort of pick their poison a little bit, and I think their their preference is to take away Giannis, um, force him into a couple of turnovers, and I think there is a way where Giannis is such a hard charging player that even though he has a court awareness, there is a way to force turnovers out of that, and that, I think there's not only is that a stop, but that gives the Raptors an opportunity to get an easy basket going the other way if it's a live ball, and so. I think, you know, the, the base coverage is there. But I, I think defensively, like, they can do a little bit better. Part of it, I think, is just, like, energy-wise. Like, I think they were just, you know, um, their rotations in the first quarter were so crisp. Everything was great. And then you Pascal's compare that. Pascal's like, three guys on sub possession. Yeah. And then you compare that to the fourth quarter and, like, you know, everyone's late on every contest. You know what I mean? So, um, that stuff you got to change. But um, Danny said something interesting about that at practice today. Okay, um, he said. I mean, it was more relating to his offense, but he he was saying how he feels more in an offensive rhythm because they don't run a lot of plays for him, and his touches are kind of sporadic. Mm-hmm. He feels more in an offensive rhythm when he's guarding 
uh, someone who's a little more active on the defensive end. And he spent most of his time when the starters were out there on Miritich. Right. Um, and I think part of that was because, you know, they like they think Danny can close out well. Um, he did pretty well. He, like, you he bothered did, him on the he, dribble and stuff. And he, he did do well. I, yeah. I don't think that was a problem. But it's interesting because he's involved in a lot fewer actions then. Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously you don't change your schemes defensively to get Danny going offensively. That's a yeah. little galaxy brain for this. And Kyle was doing a great job of Bledsoe. Exactly. He shot like 3 of 12. But you could, you know, conceivably, for at least little stretches, put Green on Bledsoe if you think Green being more involved in the ball is going to help. Uh, because if Lowry's on Miritich, Lowry can kind of help. And, you know, he's not going to be able to contest, late contest well mm-hmm. uh, because of the size difference. But, like, Miritich is going to take him into the post. If they if you do that, that's a, that's a win for the Raptors. It's something that the Raptors have done a fair amount of this year. They've plugged Lowry on shooting power forwards. Yeah. Uh, like, they did it uh, against Philly a bunch when they had Muscala. Or, Tobias. Yeah. it's yeah. Uh, they'll, they'll do it a bunch. And I wonder, yeah. you know, again, you don't put Green on Bledsoe to try to get Green's offense going. But I do right. wonder if that's – if those two matchups are – you know, because the other three matchups are set – Oh yeah, 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 they're not moving. Into but that maybe stuff. they those are a little more fluid. And like the rap, as good a job as Lowry did on Bledsoe, the Raptors were trying to pre-switch a- in any of those Giannis Bledsoe pick yeah. and rolls. Yeah. Um. So they clearly don't want Lowry switch onto Giannis for obvious reasons. Even Lowry in right. the post isn't going to do too well with, with that matchup. So I wonder if maybe you see a little bit more green on Bledsoe in game two. I do want to see it though, at least once or twice. Yeah. Just just for just for just for Twitter to freak out, you know. Yeah. Um. Uh, one thing I, I also noticed was that the fact that the Raptors they took forty two threes themselves, which is the Raptors are a pretty you know high three point shooting team, but forty is a very high number for the Raptors. Um, I mean, were you happy with the looks? Do you feel like the Raptors should mix it up a little bit? I mean, what is it? Because it feels like a little bit that like the Bucks are almost sucking the Raptors into playing their game. But that's what the Bucks that's what the Bucks entire strategy is built on. Like no team allowed fewer attempts at the rim this year and no team allowed a lower percentage on those attempts yeah. at the rim this year. Like it's just, you know, we talked about this a lot in the Magic series with the length yeah. that they have and the way they collapse the paint. The Bucks are like a supercharged version of that because Giannis yeah. is helping off the ball. Um, you know, Giannis can help off of the weak corner to the strong side of the post and yeah. like it's still not a huge issue because that guy is then two passes or an incredible skip pass away. Yep. And his closeout and recovery speed is so strong. Like Giannis just makes the idea of, oh, well, just drive and play your own game. He makes it pretty tough. And even Lopez is oh, like man. a pretty Lopez good was rim protector. amazing yesterday yeah. defensively. Yeah, he had yeah. one possession where like he's like stunting at guys and then yep. recovering onto a three-point shooter. He He's... I think they protect the rim too well. Obviously, you would like to get as many points in the paint as you can, and you want to try right. to break them down to get those threes off of kickouts from the paint. Um, like Nick Nurse t- t- talks all the time about how you know their numbers when they get one foot in the paint. So even mm-hmm. like getting that far and then kicking it out, um, you know, I think they want to do that more. But this is what Milwaukee's done to everyone all year. And, and yeah. you saw you saw last night in the first half what the downside is for, is for Milwaukee is if a team gets hot or a team shoots even decently, yeah, you know that's that's going to be tough, and they they shoot up a lot of threes too. But if you lose the three point battle, you know you're going to be in a close game like this one. So yeah, um, you know obviously the Raptors would prefer slightly different terms of engagement, but I don't think taking more bad twos mm-hmm. is preferable to you know mediocre threes. Yeah, look, I, I hear you on that for sure. Um, but I just think that ultimately the Raptors aren't going to win a lot of games if they shoot. What they shoot? If they shot eleven of twenty-five from the restricted area, yeah. which is both low in both in terms of percentage and also number of attempts. Usually, the Raptors are much better than that. Kawhi and Pascal last night both had five shots blocked for the first time in their careers. Like each? Yes. Yikes! I can't. Re- someone Yikes. someone tweeted that stat on Twitter, and I feel wow. bad that I can't remember who it was. Right. Um, it was That's... someone from maybe it was Jackson Frank. I'm not sure. Right. Apologies to whoever that was. There's no chance they're listening to this. Probably no offense. Wow. Um, well, I just don't think someone not on Raptors Twitter mm-hmm. is going to be listening to. Uh, oh, you be no. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they both had their shots blocked five times. Yeah. Like Pat Connaughton was it Pat Connaughton who blocked yeah, the Kawhi yeah. three from yeah, behind? Kawhi, Kawhi didn't know that was coming. I though. know, but it's still funny. Yeah. Pat also has like a 40 inch vertical. Yeah. The guy's a super yeah, he, athlete, I think man. at one point he like had the combine record for vertical. Right. Until This is just a Pat Connaughton podcast. Didn't Diva Chenzo also have that too? Maybe. Yeah. Anyway. Um Sneaky. Oh, these guys are very <laughs> sneaky. I mean he snuck up on he snuck up on Kawhi. There's no other way to describe yeah. that other than he snuck up on Kawhi. Um but I mean like I, I do think that though there is a way for the Raptors to get a couple more efficient offense in terms of their um, their main guys because like realistically Pascal's best asset is attacking the rim and Kawhi's best asset is attacking the rim and also that mid-range game and I think 
you know, if one the mid range lo- game will be there for Kawhi more than it was, I think. You know, but I think so too. But I also like after looking at the film and stuff, like the Bucks were doing a pretty good job of like keeping their bigs a little bit higher than they usually yeah. would. Like against everyone else, against Kyle, for example, Kyle stepped into a lot of open jumpers, right, and he hit them, which is I, I think the Bucks were kind of like we're willing to live with this. And, you know, it almost killed him in the end. But still, they, they, you know, they got away with it. Um, and that's what the, with Kyle scoring 30. Like, with Kawhi, like, I think Brooke was up pretty high. And that's how he got a couple of those blocks. And you saw Kawhi do some very uncharacteristic things in terms of, like, the pump fake and then moving around. And he's basically doing the Mars stuff of, like, I can't even find an angle. An shoot. up and under and then I'm going to pass through arms. Yeah, exactly, right? And, uh, and that's a jump pass, too. Like, these are kind of situations where I thought he was getting stuck. And I think the same thing for Pascal. Like, you know, to be honest, if he doesn't have that like buzzer beating three at the end of the third quarter or, or like those two little like mid-range or the mid-range shot he hit or like the um the wing three that he's not usually a specialty like he had a really really awful game even with those his true shooting percentage was under 40 percent. yeah i mean he shot what six of 20 you know what i mean yeah. and so i i think for pa- i think for pascal like really the only time i thought he was really successful when he was on the baseline and he can attack and i think in that situation i think the the geometry of the bucks defense is a little bit different because if they do bring a different a help defender then all of a sudden you do have you know um they're kind of just like overloading on one side and you can maybe see pascal using his passing game to like dish it down low to like a surge or mark and you know, and and even when he got in single coverage, like he had that little uh, euro step around Brook, and then he had that dunk over Brook. Like, you know, he has an opportunity on that baseline to to do more damage. And I think so. I, I do think that ultimately, like, yes, you're, you're right. Like, the Raptors got to take their threes. The Bucks are very good at taking away the rim, but the, I don't think you're going to get very far in this series if you can't attack the rim effectively with your two best guys. He, here's a question I have for you about Pascal. So he's going to be guarded by Antetokounmpo. We just saw him guarded by Joel Embiid for like five and a half games and how that length affected him. Um, one thing that I think a handful of us suggested what against Embiid was, you know, run some Siakam DHO mm-hmm. dribble handoffs yep. to get Embiid's feet moving at least. Right. And then yep. maybe you get Kawhi Leonard on the move attacking yeah. with a little bit ahead of steam. I'm not sure that would work as well with Giannis just because of the uh, horizontal space that he, yeah. he covers. What I'm interested though, is in, in watching some bucks tape and um, talking to a few bucks people. I, I think the weakest part of Giannis's defensive game right now, and obviously this is like, the weakest part of maybe the best defensive player in the world's defensive game. So yeah. it's like when people talk about Kawhi's playmaking not being that good. It's like, well, it's not that good yeah. compared to all the other amazing things Kawhi is doing. Yeah. Uh, but Giannis's defense against pick-and-roll ball handlers is a little suspect. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's tough for him because he's so big, I think. I don't it's, think he goes around screens very well. Yeah, it's yeah. tough to navigate because he's so long. And, like, you could... Lopez would just drop back and dare Siakam into mid-rangers, and maybe he could get some of those floater range shots. But do you think having Siakam initiate pick and roll against Giannis might be a way to, to get him going a little bit, or is he just going to run into other problems? I can't decide whether I think they should try it or not. Yeah, I don't ultimately think that's a great look, because I don't think he's a great passer out of the situation. Like, if he comes around that screen and he goes, you know, one or two steps into the paint, he's shooting that thing, and it's probably going to be contested. I honestly think that, like, there were opportunities especially in the second quarter there when they play Siaka basically at three, where he's running the offense off top, and I'm thinking, what are you doing? You have Miritich on him. You have Ursan and stuff on him. Like, go into he the post. He cooked those two guys whenever yeah, he's on them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you, you, there are opportunities for him to get into the post in those situations. Like, I, I don't think, I think there's anything you can realistically do to, like, expose Giannis defensively. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think you can really shut them around and stuff. But even against Giannis, like, he tried that one post-up and he got blocked. I kind of want to see him try, like, two or three more post-ups. Just, just... Just see what you can get out of that. Um, I mean, I, I don't think Giannis is trying to foul. And so, you know, like there is an opportunity for him where he's not playing against an overly aggressive defender so he can maybe get a shot off. Like, I, I just think that you're going to ultimately need more than Pascal or what, 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 more than what Pascal gave you in game one. And, and the corner three, I mean, I don't even know what to say about that. It just feels like that shot was so automatic for him. But whether he's it's injuries. Yeah, he's got to take those. But, I mean, the fact that he was, like, 0 of 7 from the corners was yeah. just shocking. Yeah, he's got to take them, though. There's not Their yeah. offense just doesn't work without guys taking those. And, he has I some mean, open ones. That's a yeah, wide open Yeah, and, I mean, what, what's the alternative? He uses that space to get ahead of steam to drive at Giannis? Yeah. That's not no. That's not a particularly useful way to use that space, right? Yeah. Um, so, I think he still has to take those. I, I mean, part of the solution might be, and, and it's tough the way the Raptors have played throughout the playoffs to say this, he might just need to use fewer possessions. 
Okay, the, the, where do the rest of the possessions go? I guess that's the thing is, yeah. you know, are you running more for Danny? Or are you putting more Kyle pick and roll in? And then you're shifting Pascal's possessions to um, Serge Ibaka and Marcus Gasol maybe. So that's not, that's maybe not a great answer. I just yeah. I look at 20 field goal attempts on a night that he didn't have it and it, the defense was frustrating him. And mm-hmm. maybe that's a tad high. Well, I think one thing that worked really well against the Bucks in regular season um, – was the like just running high pick and roll and then kicking it back out to the pop jumper yes. and I think high pick and roll like not free throw line pick and roll yeah, like yeah. up uh, like high enough that Kyle or Kawhi could step into a three yeah, yeah. over top and I think that's one thing that they didn't do really well with Kawhi too it was just like they set the screen a little bit too low yeah. and like as soon as he came off Brooke was right there yeah right um, if he comes out a little bit higher then yes yeah. there will this be more this is the space. thing if Brooke has to come up above the free throw line yeah. then him coming up a little higher to cut off the mid range from Kawhi is a lot tougher than if he can still you yeah. know if he's coming up higher quote unquote but a foot's still in the paint yeah that's a I think that makes a big difference so yeah um, I think there's there's things they can do there but I also think that like you know if, if Pascal takes fewer shots then yeah, I guess it's, it's not on, a, it's it's not on a great solution because they don't have a lot of players who you trust to shoot shots right now. Yeah, but I mean, like it, it, at some point, like Mark and Serge, they got to they got to score a little bit better than this. And in the regular season, Serge averaged twenty two points a game. He took like eighteen shots a game, which he is seventy four shots, I think, or seventy two shots over over the like, four games against. Yeah, the like, he, he averaged a ton, right? And so Mark and Serge also both set career highs in three point attempts against the Bucks this year. Yeah. Mark took 12. And even today, like, you know, a shoot around, he was talking about how, like, oh, I got to take, like, five, six, seven, eight M's in my bank. No, like, shoot threes, right? And it's like, wow, I can't believe he said that. Let's see him do it. He actually did it. He took seven, right? And he, he only hit two of seven, you know, whatever. It's a make or miss league. But, like, um, Doug. yeah, Doug. Um, but, I mean, man, it, it's just, I, you, you kind of need more scoring from that center spot. And realistically, the one area where if the Raptors can get the easiest offense, like in terms of just with the least resistance in a half court, it should be the high pick and roll, and then you pass it out to the big man who shoots. And the opportunity is there almost all the time based on how the Bucks defend, and the Raptors just didn't do a good job of capitalizing on that, you know? Yeah, it's tough, too, when, I mean, this isn't related to the point, but Gasol was over inside the three-point line. Yeah, and I thought, look, I thought the Raptors had made a concerted effort to actually get him inside, have him short roll, and then so he can take that little mid-range shot. So it's or not that only shot. Yeah, it's a mid-range shot, the push shot, whatever. Like you, you know, like I, I think they tried to intentionally mix it up so that he's not only exclusively taking threes because that is hard for a guy to do. At the same time, though, like it's just it's just off. Yeah, there was one. Really there was off. one thing that the Raptors and they did this a little against Philly, and I was super interested in it, and I. I, it's one of the things that maybe they needed more time with together. Um, but when Gasol did get it at the elbows, there have been a couple times recently where they've run a corner action with Kawhi and Kyle around that. Okay. Uh, they did it once, too, against Philly with Serge at the elbow. And I was like, if Serge can make this pass, mm. you know, Mark should be able to make that pass, too. So I don't know if you remember, like, the the corner offense the Cavs used to run with yep. kind of LeBron at the elbow, and they would run guys off of that. Or even the Bucks in 2017 when they had Greg Monroe, yeah, and yeah. they would run it. And, Del Vadova setting these screens. Um, I mean, the Raptors might be able to to get something out of that where you're just forcing the Bucks into tough decisions, and then Gasol hits a quick pass. I mean, you can't you can't hand it to yeah. Gasol the elbows like at Memphis levels of hand the ball to Gasol the elbows. Yeah, uh, but maybe there's a way to you know get a little going. I think Kawhi had a good cut around one of those last night. It didn't result in a bucket, but right. um, you know, I think there's there's opportunity to try to get. Kawhi maybe some easier looks that way or, or leverage Mark in a way that pulls Brook Lopez away from the rim but doesn't require him to shoot a ton. That's true. Because he doesn't want to shoot a ton. And, and I think... No matter what he says. Yeah. And um, and I think he does... I think he still does command enough respect from the defense where if he does catch the ball at the elbow, as you mentioned, like, Brook would be up on him. Yeah. Right? Like, it, there's no way Brook's just going to still sit at the rim. You're not going to let Marcus All survey the floor with nobody in front of him. Yeah, right? exactly. Is the thing. I, you can't I let him make any pass he I, wants. Yeah, I don't even know that they'd be worried about the elbow jumper. You just don't want him being able to see cutters and pick out shooters that's and true. stuff like that. So, Yeah, that's one solution. I, I think I'm not was, saying it's a solution for like 30 possessions a no, game. No, 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 just, but it's, it's one option. Yeah, right? go through that a little more, especially when things get gummed up, you know. It's it sounds ridiculous, but they actually did this against Orlando for like multiple possessions of throw the ball to Gasol at the elbow and everyone just run around. Yeah. Someone will get open. There was one play where like it looked like like they weren't they had no idea what they were doing. They were just like running circles around Gasol, and then eventually someone got open. That was basically the Grizzlies' offense for the longest time <laughs> for years. Um, 
Also, the Grizzlies had the worst offense of the league with Gasol, so maybe yeah. maybe I shouldn't be trying to pull from those days. Uh, come on, the rest of that talent was not good, but yeah, Gasol also himself was not as efficient in that look. Um, I think one other thing is I think just the minutes split. Like it doesn't really yeah. make sense to me that Gasol played forty minutes just because on paper I think honestly Serge is at least on paper, strictly speaking, on paper like he's should be the better player in this series. And I think look, Serge even said it today in practice. He's like. I put on myself, like, I got to play with more energy, and, like, I just didn't really do that. And I think it sounds frustrating, but, like, yeah, I mean, he just didn't really impose himself on the game. I think his they, energy... They got rolled in the minutes that Ibaka was out there with Okasol. I know, yeah, cause, well, a lot I know of people was, were, claim, just, like, were calling Lopez for, were... like, Ibaka should have closed or Ibaka should have got more minutes. And, like, the minutes split should have been more even, but Ibaka was... They were getting killed when Ibaka was out there. Brook Lopez was just raining. Raining threes and also getting to putbacks and stuff like that, yeah. right? Um, but I, I think, you know, I, again, like, it, it's just offensively like if you're talking about a guy who will absolutely shoot Serge will shoot that and I think you can get him easier offense in this game and I also think that in game one at least in the very limited possessions where he went up against Giannis I thought he was actually okay he was okay he was okay you can live with it is the thing if it's gonna now the one thing he has is he can muscle Giannis a little bit Giannis can't just like bully him at the rim now my issue with with those matchups last night wasn't even that it was more that over the Gasol Ibaka minutes, they mm-hmm. allowed Milwaukee to have a forty percent offensive rebound rate. And if yeah. you're putting both of those guys on the floor and you're sacrificing that spacing and you're risking the Giannis Ibaka mm-hmm. match, you've gotta you've gotta win the glass. Like yeah. against Philly, sometimes there were a couple, there were a couple times they had a hundred percent defensive rebound rate. And it's not like Philly is a worse offensive rebounding team than Milwaukee. I think they were a better te- offensive rebounding team than them. Yeah, so, but I mean, yeah. I also think like small I, sample or whatever, but still, they're a little bit caught off guard too. I think with how much the Bucks were attacking the glass because I think yeah. you expect like that's a, not part of their strategy. Normally. No, they're pretty conservative. Like they have like a poacher. Shock that Bud is conservative. Yeah, seriously. Um, no, but like they have a poacher and like you know uh, Miritich or like Ilya so will try to like get a hand up and sort of try to tip it in without even grabbing the board. Or occasionally you might get one like Bledsoe will fly in, but like. Lopez, for example, he's not a guy that usually goes for a lot of offensive rebounds. I think he averaged like 0.4 in the regular season. Yeah. He had four last they're, night. They're actually and they were fa- all putbacks. They're fairly similar to how the Raptors approach offensive rebounds yeah. normally, where it's like, okay, whoever's down there, go for it. Yeah. But otherwise, you better sprint in and sprint out. Yeah. So. And I think yesterday, just with them missing so many shots early, they were just like, we got to get offense. So we're going to change our strategy a little bit. And I think that hurt the Raptors a little bit. But I, I just think that, look, ultimately there is an opportunity there where you got to look at the minutes and you got to look at the rotation a little bit. And you got to say, like, Serge has to probably play 25 minutes in this series. Gasol and just can't play Mark, 40, right? Like, Gasol should ideally play 30. Yeah. Like, just to keep his energy up. Because it's not the same as, like, you know, like against uh, a Philly or against Orlando. Like, you, he will, like, guard someone in the post and then they'll kick it out and then they might work pick and roll he can still stay in the paint he'll plug the paint then he'll like box out get the rebound like most of his time is spent within the paint like in this game there's a number of times like i thought gasol did a pretty good job running around going to contest and then also helping but that wears on you and you're he's 34 and it goes back to our early conversation about the long stints for the starters too where i don't think it would be a bad thing to take some of the lessons from the joel Embiid tethering and just be like look Gasol and Ibaka, and, and this is something the Raptors talked about before the year with Ibaka and Valanciunas. They were like, look, we're going to run shorter shifts with those guys to keep them fresher. They're going to play five or six minute stints. And I don't know if you need to go that aggressive necessarily, mm-hmm. but like you can bounce those guys in and out, especially in a matchup like this where you're yeah. not worried necessarily about the center. Well, because the Bucks are running the same like sets, basically, no matter who's on the floor. Yeah. So you can bounce those guys in, and, and we've talked about this before, that if... If Ibaka comes in a little earlier, first of all, Ibaka with the starters has a large sample of being successful. Yeah. Really, uh, just Ibaka with Lowry. Yeah, it gets you. It gets Ibaka playing with Lowry, which we know works better than Ibaka yep. playing with anyone else. And then also, then when Gasol comes back in, maybe at the top of the second or whenever, then those bench units that look, you have to play bench guys. You mm-hmm. can't go seven games in thirteen days playing six guys. But those minutes suddenly for Fred and Norm are coming with Gasol on the floor instead of Ibaka. And you have an extra playmaker. You've seen Van Vliet and Powell both play a little bit better, at least getting their own shots around Gasol. Um, yeah. I think, you know, maybe some shorter stints and just like, I, I mean, it seems simplistic. It's not going to solve everything, but just getting those guys in and out a little quicker might keep them fresher. And then it might, you might accidentally by doing that, solve some of the bench stuff by not playing three of them at once because of how you're rotating the centers. Yeah, that's Maybe. true. I just think they're, you're you're real limited when you have the three bench guys on at once. But I mean, yeah, you're real limited when you have the three bench guys and you're re- on at once. You're real limited with only having three bench guys. Period. Right now, yeah. Uh, I think at this point, it's pretty clear he's not going deeper than that. Um, no. Rest in peace, Jeremy Lin, Malcolm Miller. 
Oh man, we're not getting a Jody Meeks revenge series. He was on the Bucks. Yeah. When? When he got uh, when he got suspended. Oh, I thought he was on the Wizards. Maybe he was. He was on the Bucks before that. Then. I'm pretty sure Jody I, I, Meeks played for the Bucks. I wouldn't be surprised, actually. Yeah, yeah. Jody Meeks played for a lot of teams. Yeah, yeah he's been around. Let <laughs> me um, um, you second guess it. I thought he was on the the Bucks team that the Raptors played in the playoffs that year. No. No. I don't think so. Damn. Well, I don't know what I'm talking about. All right. Well. Anyway. I mean, he was it, definitely on the Wizards, and and then and then yeah, he got yes, he got that. I out. remember. Um. In any case, while you look that up, um, I, I do think like part of it with the bench is just like again like you know there's some things where you can look at game one you can say this is what they did well this is what they can crack this is what whatever and then there's just things out of their control and i feel like with something like the bench like i mean how many times like on all our podcasts you know man jody meeks played for some teams yeah, so, okay, yeah. <laughs> read them he, off read them he off he did play for the bucks he did okay yeah for like 41 games what um, yeah back in the day uh, well, so it wasn't 2017. It was certainly not 2017. Okay. Uh, he played for Milwaukee, Philadelphia, the Lakers, Detroit, Orlando, Washington, Toronto. Okay. That's uh, seven teams already. Wow. In 11 years. I guess that's not that crazy. But no, that's, anyway. that's, that's still a lot. I remember him with the Lakers. I liked him with the Lakers. Sure. Yeah. Lakers fans didn't like him, but. Anyway, I Lakers cut you should. off there. Um, just... Yeah, no, I was going to say, like, with the bench, like, like some of these guys are like. <laughs> You're just kind of stuck relying on them, and we've we've seen all season that they're unreliable. But like, they got to play a little bit better. And, I, and from the first half, I thought it was actually like pretty encouraged. I, I, I even tweeted it out. I was like, "Wow, if the Raptors can actually extend their bench a little bit, that'll be great." But the second half happened, yeah, and they I were think trash. They played the non-Kawhi minutes neutral in the first half, which is huge. Like Norm hitting two threes was big, and Norm actually, you know, Fred I, having some good kickouts. Fred, I thought, you know, again looking over the tape, like the box score numbers never look good for Fred, but like. The, the decisions that he was making offensively was good. I mean, he was able to get into the paint, like you mentioned, like the one feet in the paint, whatever. He was getting two feet in the paint, kicking it out, open threes, and people would either knock them down or wouldn't, but that's that's good offense. That's good point guard play. Um, and all that just, like, dried up in the second half. You know what I mean? And, and, and again, when you can't rely on the bench guys, then you're overextending the, the, the starting guys, and then they get tired. And then Milwaukee crushes you, and then you waste an opportunity there's, like this. With there's Kyle not Hunter. a great answer. It's tough to play a series with <sighs> six and a half guys that you trust, and obviously OG Ananobi's absence is felt. And then I think I think this is at least a little bit of a lesson of how to use that last third of the roster in future years. Like mm. like the Raptors using the the end of the roster for potential future guys and, and inexpensive guys makes sense with where they are. Um, not testing those guys in NBA games at all, though is a little tough like malcolm miller and chris boucher played a combined like seven yeah. meaningful minutes even patrick mccaw didn't get like a great sample after he came over of meaningful minutes right, right. Um, and look you can't obviously you can't just like ditch the second unit for games at a time to get those guys looks but you entered the playoffs with a third of your roster being guys that you were just like nope we're never going to use them yeah and part of that well, was jeremy lynn they didn't expect him to do this bad i was gonna say like if we go back and look at this, right, in terms of how the bench was constructed, yeah. like how did the bench get they thought this they'd bad? Have ten, they thought they'd have 10 guys. They thought Jeremy Lin would be in the DeLon Wright spot or able to fill that spot, and they thought they'd have OG Ananobi. Right, and that hurts. OG yeah. really hurts in this series. Yeah. But even if you had OG, I, I don't know how much it necessarily changes. I think it does give the Raptors a little more flexibility because he's one of those guys that sort of enables you to play up uh, a position or down a position. And or you can, you can, you can play more of those super big lineups with – you know, you could have gone when we've seen Leonard Siakam, Abaka Gasol. You can go Leonard and Anobi Siakam, and then one center, and you're still functionally huge. Yeah, that's true. But you're a little more athletic. You're a little speedier. Yeah. Um, um, but they don't have them, so I guess it's not really. Uh, yeah, worth discussing. I mean, it, it's just like a number of steps happen, right? Like you make the Gasol trade, you you cut one guy at the rotation in Delon, right? Because Gasol effectively replaced JV's minutes, but how do you replace Delon? You bring in you bring in Jeremy, who at the time was the best free agent buyout guard. Like, he was the best case scenario on the buyout market. For yeah, them. seriously, like as good as possible. And he was having a great, well, not a great year, but a pretty good year with the Hawks. Comes in, completely falls off a cliff. Doesn't really fit with the team system. Um, you know, Nick Nurse even said like, ah, oh, I, maybe I'm just not calling enough plays for him or something like that. Like, he's so he's so used to. He's not used to playing a structured offense, or he's it's too structured. I don't know. It was a lot of excuses, and eventually they were just like, no, this is not going to work out. Um. And then you got OG. Okay, it's unfortunate he's spent all year hurt, but then all of a sudden at the end, he somehow even gets more hurt by having a really bad surgery that takes three plus hours. And and he's, 
I mean, he's walking around and he's 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 with the team again, which is nice to see. But like, I don't think realistically he would have. I don't think he's in a position physically to come back in in this series. Um, and then you you look at the rest of the roster, like, you know, it's just it's just limited. And it's weird because the Raptors have always been able to rely on on depth. Now, whether that depth actually translated to playoffs is a little bit different, but um, I'm just a little bit. I'm just stuck, kind of envious, you know what I mean? Because the guy, the the one, the the three bench guys that they've consistently relied on, like Serge, like he's really inconsistent and really he's not used to playing with the bench, and it seems like it affects his production. And Fred, I mean, he likes to get his own offense going, but right now I don't think his confidence is as high as it normally would be. He's turning down a couple of shots here and there, and you know, you know, he's doing his best, but I think he looks physically limited. And then Norm just doesn't really fit with either of those two guys, and it's just. I don't know. It's just it, the bench leaves you uh, leaves you wanting, you know. And you look on the other side, Milwaukee. They bring in Urson. They bring in George Hill. They bring in Connaughton. They bring in Brogdon now. Who I think Brogdon might eventually go to the starting lineup, but right now he's with the bench still. Like they got a lot of pieces. They bring them in. They plug and play. It doesn't change their system. You don't have to rely. You don't have to um, you know wonder if they can functionally hold up. Like. I'm just very envious. I know this is a long spiel, but yeah, the, the the Raptors bench is just has been a sore spot all season, and it uh, I think it's ultimately going to be their undoing. And it's unfortunate because the Raptors starters are really freaking good. It's just if they the bench could just do anything positive. I mean, also, I mean, we don't need to phrase it as like it's going to be their undoing. They made the conference finals. They're one of the four yeah last teams. It's like they made the finals conference finals in spite of the bench, though. Yes, they did. Yeah, but it's uh and yeah, you're you're gonna look at this series, and it's not even going to be just you know how. How little did the bench give them if the bench doesn't turn it around? It's also the extra toll on the guys and things like that. And um, It's interesting. Like, you look around the league and, like, Rodney Hood comes back from the dead with a, a new opportunity and some yeah. empowerment. And, like, Alfonso McKinney is playing minutes in, like, an 11-man Warriors rotation when KD goes down. And okay, Steve Kerr has a problem, though. Yeah, he does. Steve he, Kerr has Steve Kerr has sickness. some Dwayne Casey tendencies when it comes to just throwing everyone out there. Lorenzo Brown for a fourth quarter against the Cavs? Go, go yeah, I would kill man. for Lorenzo right now. Lorenzo, where are you He's at? He's in China, man. I'm sorry. Sorry, Lorenzo. We yeah. were sorry for slandering Lorenzo Brown. Seriously, come back, bring yeah. a headband back. Come on, man. But you have these guys stuff. But me and Pat Connaughton is like he was not in the rotation until like February. Yeah. And now he's like an indispensable twenty five minute a game guy. Yeah. It's just the Raptors never had that click this year for any. Do you of think their Bud reserves. confused him with uh, Divincenzo because Divincenzo had his spot early in the rotation? <laughs> he's like, oh, actually, you're. Oh, okay, okay, you're, you're Connaughton. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the, look, and the Bucks were. I think they made smart moves. Like they they added to their they added to their depth, and it helps that they had guys that they can you know cast off like Thon, and they had some extra picks and stuff like that, so they can grab some depth. Like George Hill, for example, they basically got for free. Um, you know, they they, they used a the first round pick, but you know that also was salary dumping Delhi. Um, you know that helped their depth, and then you know you get uh, Miritich basically for picks, like it helps, it helps. Whereas the Raptors, you know, they decide to kind of shorten the rotation a little bit and it's just, it's weird. You, you never want to lose with the bench. You want to lose with your best five, but the best five can only play so long, you know? Yeah. At 31 minutes, apparently. Um, and they were still positive. The starters last night in those 31 minutes, I think they were plus six. So as long as that five yeah. comes out there, just play on 48 minutes. They'll die. But yeah, we need, we need Nick Thibodeau to come back. I mean, like, I mean, and Nick's done that too. Like, he really has. Like, game game four against yeah, Philly. the Siakam limited one where basically they yeah. ran six guys, and then game seven, like, you know, he's done it. But you can only do that in emergency situations. Blake, how do you see game two going? I think it's going to be pretty similar, honestly. Yeah, I think uh, I think both teams were probably encouraged enough by their performances in that one that they're not going to overhaul too much. Obviously. You know, you look at a game tape and it's a lot of the theoretical stuff you talked about becomes practical and you can Mm -hmm. find ways to improve. But I think from a a scheme and matchup wise, I don't think either side makes a change. Uh, The one thing I'll be really interested to see is more of a game three thing. If the Raptors and maybe this requires the Raptors to win game two, but if the Raptors starters outplay the Bucks starters again. Brogdon and Miritich's place with the starters was really good in a small window. And that was a high use, a very good high usage lineup all year. That um, was their starting lineup all year. Yeah, and yeah. it was it was pretty good. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I wonder 
if Bud waits for a loss to make that switch back, or if it's just another, you know, Miritich, you got the box score there. Miritich was what, minus 15 or something like that, or Brogdon was plus 15. They had the very was con- minus, uh, Miritich was minus five, Brogdon plus 18. Okay. Big swing. Was, yeah. Big swing. So big swing. And, and that, I think that group is plus 12 in four minutes. Uh, and they match up better with the Raptors that way. Yeah, they do. So, um, I, uh, I could see that, but that's probably more of a game three thing. That's probably the biggest adjustment I think that's hanging over this. Like, I saw people being like, start Norm for Danny or like start Surge for oh, Danny. Oh, I was going to say, I was going to throw stuff's not happening. I was going to throw those ideas to, at you, but um, I could potentially see the Gasol Ibaka flip. Not like in outright in the starting lineup, but I think in terms of just minutes wise throughout the game, they yeah, can manage They've got to come better. closer to even in minutes. Yeah. Not all the way, but like. Yeah, what, what yeah. did they play last night? What did Surge play? 17. Now, okay. granted, Surge could have played a lot better. Yes. That's that's on Surge. 40 and 17 should maybe be more like 33-25, ideally, yeah. or something like that. I agree. And that, that's assuming they're still going to play some of the two big lineups because they just don't have the depth to not do that. Unless Pascal plays 48. Yeah. Uh, let me hit just some rapid fire. Uh-oh. Kyle Lowry, 30 points. Does it ever happen again in a playoff game? Not in this playoff series, but ever. No. Okay. All right. I I feel awful saying that, but just like he's had five over the last what two hundred and sixty games, and he'll be a year older. I don't know. I hope so though. I hope he does in game two. It makes me look like an idiot. Does Norman Powell make a surprise start against the Bucks, and that changes the whole series? No. I miss I miss I miss Jason Kidd uh, coaching the Bucks. That was that was a great <laughs> or, or that was Frank a great Vogel. time. <laughs> or Frank Vogel, man. Frank Vogel must have been really desperate for a job. When Frank Vogel <laughs> That's the is, shittiest job. I can't wait till a playoff game when Frank Vogel has LeBron, Kyrie, and Anthony Davis all on the bench at the same time. Yeah. And he's, I've made that joke already. But yeah, and he's playing happen. Lance Stevenson and Rondo. And um, probably George Hill. Yeah. He'll find his way there. Um, Kawhi, 48 minutes at some point in the series. No. 45? Yes. Okay. I just don't think they'll ever play him a whole first half. Yeah. Because the game, you won't know the game's dire enough yet. Yeah. And um, that's about it, actually. These are slow rapid fire I was going to say, I was trying say. to think of more rapid fire questions. I don't I don't really have that many in this series. Yeah. It is what it is. I think we, we kind of tactically saw what it was, you know, yeah. in game one. And, and I think I'm kind of comfortable. At the same time, I'm also kind of just like, the Bucks are a better team, you know? Yeah. Like, I predicted Bucks in six. After losing game one, I don't think I'm going to change that too much. Although, I think it's a little bit more likely that Bucks in five happens. But... Like, you know, yeah. I feel a little shaky in my bucks in seven. I like. I think. I think it finishing quicker is on the table. I just. Yeah. I, I when I made that pick, I thought that game one was probably going to be their best opportunity to steal one in Milwaukee, just because Milwaukee, game, game Milwaukee has such a, a long layoff. Yeah, I, always, I mean, I'm it's always true. Worried it, about teams it, it, with it that worked. kind of layoff. It worked out. I mean, the yeah. first quarter, Raptors jumped all over them. Yeah. So that was kind of what was in my head. Yeah. But they're going to have to win one on the road to to extend this to seven i think because i don't know that you're gonna sweep at home i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. I just don't know if you can beat the Bucks that many times in a row. No. Two is not that many, but... I mean, two, I mean, it feels like a lot against the Bucks. The but Bucks like, are yeah, really the good. The Bucks are like a real take, like championship all your contender. Home games would mean winning three out of four against the Bucks. Is I guess what I'm trying to say is yeah, that feels that feels tough. So, um, game two is a big one. I, I say they take game two though. Hope so. Yeah, it'll be the reverse of this. Raptors win 108. We to need 100. we need uh, we need Tony Brothers and Mark Davis, the guys that the Raptors have the best records with. <laughs> People really hate them, but uh, you're right. The records... 14 and one with Tony Brothers this year, and I forget Jeez. the updated stat, but when I looked entering the playoffs, the Raptors were six and zero in Mark Davis games when Kawhi played, and Kawhi's free throw numbers were really high. 
Well, there you go. All right, so we've, we've now... Re- save us, save us, NBA. <laughs> we've now reached the point where we need Tony Brothers, so... Um, yeah. Blake, thanks so much for coming on. What are you going to plug, man? You, you write every day. Just just look for Blake's Twitter account. You know, buy an athletic subscription if you haven't already, and uh, and read yeah, and listen to all Blake's content. Off. You still got, got that? Yeah. All playoffs, I got 40% off, so wow. I can throw people. All playoffs, even all season. If you look hard enough, you will get a... A discount code. If someone DMs me, I'm going to find them a discount code. It's not a. It's part of how the model is based right now. Is like you gotta you gotta get people in. Yeah, exactly. So, Blake, thanks for coming on, and um, to everyone else, the podcast will be back after game two. When, as I predicted, the Raptors will win. So look for that. It'll be a lot more happy than game one or this podcast. But uh, thanks everyone for listening, and uh, go Raptors. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.